Matthew chapter 5, and we are back in the Beatitudes, and I'm going to read in verse 2 forward, and then we're going to go back to verse 9, which is going to be our focal verse for today. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And then today, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Father, we thank you again that you have showed us very clearly in in your word what it means to be blessed, what it looks like to be someone who has blessing about to come into their life, who who is fortunate and satisfied and fulfilled. And God, we want to be those people. God, we want to be, we want to be happy. And Lord, you've told us nine times here, happy are these people. And so, Lord, we want to obey the Bible today. We want to be, we want to take up the characteristics of a peacemaker. And so, Lord, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would help us understand what that is and help us, God, to to make moves in our life to be that. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I, uh, I and my family uh, are very happy living in Woodward, Oklahoma. We, we, we like our town. Uh, we like this community. We've been here 14 years uh, now, and, man, we just like living here. We, we think it's a nice town, nice community, and we enjoy living here. In fact, we enjoyed living here, uh, or we enjoyed Woodward. We liked Woodward even before we moved here. We, uh, we got called to do a revival here back in 1996. If you don't know that story, uh, what happened was uh, this church had scheduled Wade Burleson. He's, he's a pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Enid. Incredible preacher, great pastor, and uh, just he, he's just really a kind of an icon in our state. And they had scheduled him to do a revival. And at the last minute, he had a conflict and, and had to cancel. And so this church didn't have anybody for the revival. And they already had it scheduled. And they're already publicizing it. And so, so they, they asked all over trying to find a pastor that would come. Nobody would come. And so finally, in an act of desperation, scraping the bottom of the barrel, they called the seminary. And you now they called me and they said, you know, we know that you're going to blow this and we don't, you know, we know you're going to do a terrible job. But, you know, could you come? We don't have anybody else. And, you know, we nobody will probably come. But, you know, we, we need to have someone here in the building since we scheduled this thing. And so anyway, we came and, and that's how we got associated. And after that revival, we were we were leaving and we were between Woodard and Moreland. And I remember I distinctly remember my wife and I having this conversation. We said, and we really like that town. We can live there. That, that's a nice-sized town. We really like the people there. We love the church. And, and sure enough, about a year later, we got a call, and, and we ended up here, okay? And so I'm just telling you, I, I really like Woodard. Even though, though I say that, there are some things that I might change. You know, I mean, um, there's things I think we have plenty of, and there's things probably I think we don't have enough of, okay? Um, Again, if I hurt your feelings this morning, I, I completely don't mean to. I don't know what all of you do for a living. And so, you know, other, there were some people in the second service. I, I've never met them before. I hope they don't own this. You know, but anyway, uh, I think probably we have enough dollar stores. Okay. Now, I love a dollar store. I do. I love them. They're good. But I'm just thinking, 
I can reach three of them within five minutes of my house. So, you know, and that's probably good. I'm not saying, we, I, I, I'm not saying I don't want them there. I'm just saying we probably, that's probably enough, you know. Um, I think, and we got several bankers, you know, I, I think we probably have enough banks, you know. And, and I just say that because I live on the very north, I, I live on the very edge of town, last neighborhood out of Woodward, and within four blocks of my house, I can get to two banks. And so I, I'm good there, you know. I don't, I don't have any other banking needs. I think we're probably good on banks, probably good on dollar stores. Yeah, but there's other things, probably good on armadillos too. I think we got plenty of armadillos. I see them all over uh, you know, dead on the road. There's probably plenty of those. So we got plenty of banks, plenty of armadillos, plenty of, you know. There's some things, though, that I think that maybe we, we could have, you know. I'd love to have a Chili's. I'd love to have like an Applebee's or an IHOP, something like that. You know, just a little variety. Some of you may not care about that. But yeah, I'm just saying, you know, I, we... I think we probably need some more doctors, you know. Doc was over in the second service, and I asked him how many, how many family practice uh, doctors were in Woodward. He didn't even know, you know. He knew he was here, but that was it, you know. I think there's a couple more, two or three, maybe four, I don't know. But I think our county has like 30,000 people in it, doesn't it? And, you know, that's like one doctor per 10,000 people. It's hard to get in, you know. I mean, so there's some things that probably we, we, could, we could use more of. Uh, but, but let me tell you, hands down, what we need more of in Woodward, Oklahoma, what we need more of in our families, what we need more of in this church above all, all else we can survive with too many dollar stores not enough children we can survive all of that what we need more of here right now today is people that are peacemakers okay i mean i'm telling you there, there will you cannot calculate the blessing okay you can't calculate the the richness to our church and to our community and to your families when we've got more people that are peacemakers, that are what Jesus talks about right here in Matthew chapter 5, okay? I mean, you know, some of you are not married yet or you got kids that aren't married. Let me just tell you, here's, here's an incredible piece of advice. Marry a peacemaker, okay? I mean, if you want to be blessed in your life, if you, if you want richness to your life and satisfaction and, and just joy, in the right, marry somebody who's a peacemaker. Marry somebody who is peace with God and they have peace with with other people and they promote they're a catalyst for other people to get peace with God and peace with other people. marry that person okay you want that person as a friend you want that person as a neighbor we want those people in our church when you have a church full of peacemakers things are good okay when you have a church that doesn't have very many peacemakers things are less than good all right it makes you want to go to work for a dollar store instead of be a pastor when you have people that are not peacemakers in your church all right I mean Life is miserable when you're married to somebody who's not a peacemaker, when your kids are not peace. I mean, you, you, you want peacemakers in your life. They're people who establish right relationships with God and right relationships with others. The word peace in the Bible uh, signifies a sense of well-being, okay? Have you ever heard the Jewish term shalom? People will say that in Israel, even to this day. It's kind of a greeting. What it means is, I hope things are well with you. It's a sense of well-being. And so, so peace is, things are good. Things, things are good between us. Okay? So when you have peace with God, that means things are good with you and God. When you have peace with one another, that means things are good between us. Okay? That, that, that's what that word peace means. And so here's the first point this morning is that Jesus said, Blessed are the peacemakers, but listen up, folks. You cannot be blessed unless you have peace with God. We hit on this a little bit last week, but, but vitally, in order for you to be blessed, in order for you to consider yourself to be blessed, to consider yourself to have good things coming into your life, to be satisfied for fulfilled, happy, you know, good riches are coming to you. In order for you to have that, you must have peace with God. If you don't have peace with God, 
You know, if, if you're at odds with God and, and, and what the Bible says is everybody is born a sinner. Everybody's born with a heart that's broken, that doesn't want God, doesn't want to honor God. And so we, we sin against God and we transgress against God. And so we're at odds with God. And friends, if that situation is not fixed in your life, you can't be blessed. Okay, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you have your dream job and your dream girl and your dream house and your dream car and your dream boat. And you're, you're the picture of the American dream. It doesn't matter. Okay? If you don't if you don't have peace with God, it's all just that, a dream. Psalm 73 pictures people waking up to the judgment of God. You know, they, they thought everything was good. Things are not good if you're not right with God. If you have no means of dealing with the fact that you're a sinner, that you're broken on the inside and you've broken God's law, if you have no means of fixing that, if you have no means of dealing with the fact that you're under the judgment and wrath of God, you cannot be blessed, okay? It's got to begin with peace with God. Good things are not coming to you. Around the corner for you is eternal condemnation. On the horizon for you is, God, is a godless and a Christless eternity. In the distance looms the fury of you facing a holy God and having to face the fact that you lived your life not caring about Jesus Christ, His Son. The first priority in your life is you've got to get peace with God. Now, Peace with God only comes one way. Okay, there's not a bunch of different ways. There's just not. There's one way to have peace with God. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people, I've heard people say, well, you know, me and God, we have this deal, okay? Listen, God's not on a game show and you don't make deals with him, all right? Really, you, you, don't, you don't have a special deal with God. You know, you can't say, well, God, you know, hey, you're, not, you're not just going to work this out when we get to heaven. You know, we'll sit down at a table and, you know, you'll give your point of view and I'll give my point of view and, you know, we'll, and it's not going to work that way, okay? Uh, it, some people think, well, you know, God, God knows my heart. Man, there's tons of people. You know, their life looks a certain way, you know. Their, their life doesn't honor Jesus Christ. It doesn't revolve around Jesus Christ. It, it's not going to find Jesus Christ, but they'll say something like, you know, but my heart is good. You know, so, so God knows my heart, so it's going to be okay. Listen, the reason it's not okay between you and God is because God knows your heart. I mean, that's the problem, okay? That's the problem is you, you can't bluff God. Okay, he knows your heart. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? You see, the Bible says God knows your heart and there is no way of peace with God except through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's the only way. There's just one. Just one. And it's Jesus Christ. It's the fact that Jesus came to earth and he died on the cross for your sins. And he lived a righteous life. And if you'll be joined to him by grace through faith, by coming into a relationship with Jesus, then he takes your sins and he pays for them with his own death. And he gives you his righteousness so that when God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Christ. That's the only way to have peace with God. You see, Jesus came in and he gave us his righteousness, bringing about peace with God. Romans chapter 5. Verse 1 says, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way to have peace with God. So in order to be a peacemaker, first of all, you have to have a right relationship with God. You you and God can't be at odds. Okay, your life can't be going in in, in a direction that's contrary to the word of God and the commands of God and and, and the truth of God. So in order to be a peacemaker, first of all, you got to be right with God. And that only comes through Jesus Christ. Okay, now, once you are right with God, once you have peace with God, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says you, you will be driven to be at peace with other people. Okay? In other words, you, you can't say this about yourself. You can't say, you know, I'm right with God, but you know what? You know, I, 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 my neighbor, 
I hate him, and, 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 and I'm not making peace with him. He, he drives me crazy, and I'm, I'm angry with him, and I don't ever want to see him again. You know, when he, when he pulls out of his garage, I go in my garage, you know. Or you can't say, well, there's a person at church, and, and, and I, I don't like I'm going to sit on the other side of the, the, the sanctuary from him, and, and I'm not going to talk to him. And, you know, I just, I just don't want anything to do with him, okay. You can't be at peace with God and be okay with that. You just can't. Can't do it. First John chapter 4. Here's what it says. Verse 19. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Okay, you, 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 can't, you can't be okay with God and not okay with one another. Okay? Now, now I understand there's times where there's broken relationships, but you, what I'm saying is you can't be okay with that. You, you, you have to pursue peace. Okay? You have to pursue it. You have to chase after it. You have to say, I care about that. You know, I, I'm living in obedience to God. I'm trying to follow God. I'm trying to love God. And because of that, it's going to force me to to attempt to be right with the people in my life, to be right with my spouse and right with my kids and right with my family and right with my neighbors. And we can't be okay with not being right with them. You know why? Because the enemy of peace, the thing that cuts down peace is always sin. Okay, did you hear that? Sin's what breaks relationships apart. Sin's what causes disunity in a marriage or a family. It's sin. And, And so in order to bring peace... We we got to deal with sin. We we, we we have to confess sin or confront sin or forgive sin or or, or, or appropriate the gospel of Jesus Christ to to, to put sin on on Christ. Uh, we have to do something with the sin. Okay, uh, I mean that, that that's the only way to bring about true peace. Because whenever there's not peace, there's always sin involved. Now some of you are going to say, "Well, hold on, Pastor. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on." I'm thinking in my head that surely there are times where there's just a disagreement between two people. But there's, and the peace is broken, but there's not sin. I thought, I thought a lot about that yesterday because I thought, man, I'm going to tell these people this. I want to make sure I, re- I look through the Bible. There are times where there's just disagreements, Paul and Barnabas, for instance. Okay, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. There can be disagreements, okay, but if there's no sin, there's still going to be peace. See, you can disagree with somebody and there'll still be peace. Did you know that? The, the, the situation I just brought up, I anticipate there's probably going to be a little bit of that. There's probably going to be some people who think, man, how awesome to have another ministry right beside us. And, and the, 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 just the visibility that will bring to our ministry and, and being able to, to minister into 70 kids' lives and help out with the gospel going in. Man, I love it. Probably some other people would be like, you know what? I think we ought to do something else with that, that gravel parking lot. You know, I, I, I think I really think Pastor Jason ought to have a spa there or something, you know, just for, you know, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But you know, another idea. Another idea. You know, I think we ought to do this with that gravel. I don't think we ought to give that gravel away because we, we, we should do this with it. You know? and then there, you, but you know what? There can be disagreement. There, there doesn't have to be a loss of peace as long as there's not sin. But you see, if within that disagreement, if there's jealousy or if there's strife, or if there's anger or bitterness or unforgiveness or selfishness, if there's some kind of sin, then what happens? The peace is broken, Right? So you can have disagreement and there'll still be peace as long as there's not sin. Listen to what James said. 
James talks about a wisdom that comes from above. James chapter 3, verse 17. He says, uh, but the wisdom from above is first pure and then peaceable. Okay? Now, the first thing I want, to, I want to point out, we're going to come back to this later, is that holiness or righteousness and peace always go together. You're going to see them together again and again and again and again in Scripture. Why? Because righteousness brings peace. Okay? Whenever there's broken relationships, there's sin. And so righteousness brings peace, okay? So, so you're always going to say that together. But, but notice what else he says here in verse 17. The wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle. Next two things. Gentle and open to reason. You, you see, I, I really think that a lot of times there, there, there ought to be able to be genuine disagreements, you know? My wife and I, we're, we're, we're thinking about our kids. And we're thinking, you know, I, I think we ought to do this with this situation. And she might be, I think we ought to do this with this situation. That's okay. That's all right. In fact, that, sometimes it's really healthy as long as there's not sin. You know, as long as there's not, if, if we keep sin out of it, then there can be a, a, an openness to reason and a gentleness with one another and a, and a healthy disagreement that, that hopefully brings us to, to do the right thing. But when there's sin, then, then there's broken peace. Okay? Now, now, let's think about that for a minute. Sometimes, I'm, I'm going through all the scenarios, sometimes there's, there's a broken relationship and it's because there's perceived to be sin when there's really not. Okay? So, so that happens. Let me give you an illustration. Let's say you have a birthday party and your best buddy didn't come. You know, you have the party and everybody comes. You put on the hats and you hit the pinata. You're really too old for that, but you're still doing it, you know. And, and uh, your buddy's not there. He didn't come. And, 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 you know, the guests all leave and the cake's cleaned up. And, and you, you're, you're mad. You, you, you're, you're angry, you know. Which, okay, hold on. There's sin, isn't there? Yeah. But, but the reason you're, you're angry is you perceive there to be sin on your friend's part. You're, you're like, I guess they don't care about me. And, you know, I guess they you know, didn't want to take the time to come or whatever. But here's the thing you don't know. You don't know what's going on in their life, do you? <laughs> you know? I mean, ha- this happens a lot. It really does. This type of situation. You don't know what's going on in their life. You don't know what they've just had in their family. You don't know what kind of situation they've had in their, their marriage or with their kids or, or their sickness or their jobs. Or, you, you don't know what's going on in their life. And it, it could be that there's not sin at all. You know, it could be that they really wanted to be there, but there's this other situation that just kept them from being there. And so sometimes we perceive there to be sin when there's not, and that, that, cuts, the, that cuts the peace in our relationship, okay? Other times, this happens too, we perceive that someone sinned when we've really sinned, okay? This happens a lot in marriage, all right? Things like, you know, in marriage, there's, as I, as I do counseling with a lot of people, there's, there, there's a big, one of the big hurts in marriage is just feeling neglect, Okay, in one way or another, you know, you, you don't love me the right way. You don't care for me the right way, you know, you, whatever. And, and so, so a lot of times there's this projection of, you know what, you've sinned and, and there's, we're at odds with one another because you're not doing what you ought to be doing to me. You're not being righteous to me. Okay. Now, sometimes that could be true. Sometimes it could be that that person hasn't sinned, but that we've sinned, you know. I mean, if your idea of the right kind of marriage is that you think that, you know, your spouse ought to take you out to JB's five days out of seven out of every week, okay? maybe it's not their sin. Maybe it's not their neglect. Maybe, it, maybe it's yours, you know? I mean, if, you're, if your idea of marriage is that there ought to be romance 362 out of 365 days a year, you know, you know maybe, maybe you've got a, maybe it's your sin. You know, maybe, maybe you have a distorted picture of what that relationship ought to be. And so sometimes we project sin on other people when it's, it's really, maybe there's no sin at all, or, or maybe it's our sin. And so, so either way, but, but listen, whether it's your sin, or whether it's their sin, or whether it's perceived sin, or falsely accused sin, the thing that brings discord and disunity and broken relationships is sin. And the thing that heals that is righteousness. That's, that's what heals it, is righteousness. Okay? 
You know, there's an interesting verse in, in Romans chapter 16. I find it interesting because think about that. If, if sin is the thing that brings discord, who's the promoter of sin? Well, the devil is, right? And so the devil promotes things like pride and self-seeking and jealousy and unforgiveness and adultery and covetousness and theft and lying and, and all those things. And all those things bring broken relationships, okay? Listen to what Romans sixteen twenty says. I, I, just, I think this is a fascinating verse. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet, okay? Now, if, if, if what you want to talk about is, is if you're writing this, if you're the Apostle Paul, and you're, you're, you want us to realize that there's going to be a day where God's going to crush Satan under your feet, okay? He's going to crush him. He's going to crush his skull, okay? Do you refer to God as the God of peace? <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, wouldn't you say something like the God of war, you know, or the God of, the God of might, or the God of power, or the God of, you know, the God of vengeance, or the, you know, something, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of names for God in the Bible. Why would you use the God of peace, <laughs> you know? You know, here's what peace is. You know, why, why, why would you do that? Well, here's why. That, that's a very intentional thing, okay? Satan is about the business right now of stirring up sin in your life. And what does sin do? It, it causes an absence of peace with your relationship with God and your relationship with other people. And so there's coming a day when God is going to crush Satan under your feet. And that's going to be over. Then there's going to be peace in the new heavens and the new earth. There's going to be unity between us and God and between us and others. Why? Because God's going to do away with sin. James chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, talks about the reason that we have fights. Uh, Verse 1 says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions or your sinful desires are at war within you? You desire and you don't have, so you murder and you covet and you, don't, you cannot obtain. So you fight and you quarrel and you don't have because you don't ask. I mean, I mean Paul, or James says, the reason there's all this quarrel and all this disunity and conflict is because of sin. It's because you want the wrong things. You're selfish and you're prideful and, and you're bitter and you're unforgiving. And that causes broken relationships. And you're not depending on God for what you need. But you're not coming to Him. You're not asking Him. But rather you're manipulating and you're bullying and you're forcing and you're deceiving and you're, you're guilting and you're whining. And, and you're trying to get your way in all these other ways. And that disturbs the peace between you and others. And so the answer to that, the answer to every broken conflict is always righteousness. You're at odds with your husband, what's the answer? Righteousness. You're at odds with your wife, what's the answer? Righteousness. You're at odds with your kids, what's the answer? Righteousness. Righteousness is the thing. It's the answer to the conflict. You know, think about this. There are times where there should be a conflict, but there isn't. You know why? Because righteousness has come. Let me paint this scenario. You come home. And, and you're, just, you're just in a bad way. I mean, your sinful flesh is just coming out all over. And you're gripey and you're complaining. And you're mad at somebody at work. And you're taking it out on everybody at home. And I mean, you're, you're just not, you're not where you ought to be, okay? Now, that ought to cause, because that's sin, that should cause strife in your family. But let's say you have a really godly family, okay? And you know what they do? They recognize that you're not where you ought to be and you're, you're sinning. And so what they do is they cover that with righteousness, they cover you. In other words, you, you, you're, you're, you're griping and you're complaining and you're selfish. Okay? But you know what they're doing? They're being patient and they're showing love and they're giving grace and they're turning the other cheek. What's going to happen? There, there's peace in your house, isn't there? Even though there's sin, there's peace. Why? Because righteousness has come in. And for a while, at least, it's covering that. Righteousness is the answer. You see, it's possible not to have conflict 
but still not have peace if there's no righteousness. Maybe you remember the Cold War? Remember that? Russia said, hey, we'd really like to blow all you guys up, you know? And we said, oh, yeah? Well, we, you do that, we'll blow you up, you know? And so we, we, had, this, we had this long, almost a decade, you know, of, of basically everybody's got their finger on the nukes, but nobody's going to pull the trigger. Why? Because there's peace? There wasn't peace. There was just, we really don't want to suffer the casualties of blowing you up, you know? If we blow you up, you're going to blow us up, and we're, you know, that's not a good situation. So we're, we're trying to find a way to blow you up where you can't blow us up, you know? I mean, that was kind of the whole, whole cool. No, that's not peace, okay? You know, a lot of people, a lot of people have that now in their relationships, you know? It's like, well, I'm at odds with this person, but, but we don't have any conflict. You know why? Because we avoid each other, you know? She goes to her end of the house, and I go to my end of the house, you know? Uh, we just stay away from each other, or, you know... Or they go to their end of the church, and I go to my end of the church. Or I stay on my end of town, and they stay on their end of town. And if we see each other at Walmart, well, you know, we just go the other way. And so there's peace. There's not peace. There's just an absence of conflict because you're not around each other. But if you pushed each other, if you guys had to be together, there'd be conflict. You, you see, the answer is righteousness. The answer is not avoid. The answer is not, we'll just stay away from each other. The answer is Righteousness. Peace and righteousness always go together. Listen to Hebrews 12, verse 14. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. They're they're, they're together there. This is my favorite one. Psalm 85, verse 10. Steadfast love and faithfulness meet. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. (laughs) Isn't that a great picture? Righteousness and peace kiss each other. You, You see, in order for there to be peace... There's got to be righteousness. Isn't that exactly the way it was with you and God? You, you've got, you've got, you're at odds with God, okay? You're born that way. You're born into sin. You're born with a heart that doesn't love God, that doesn't honor God. So how do you fix that? Well, if what we just said is true, then you need to fix that by, by, by putting some righteousness into the relationship. Here's the big problem. You don't have any. You don't have any righteousness of your own. So what does Jesus do? Jesus comes and he lives a perfect life and he dies a sacrificial death and he is our righteousness. You see, he puts righteousness over us and that way we're able to have a right relationship with God. Now, in the same way, if we're going to be peacemakers, if we're going to be peacemakers, then we've got we've got to pay the price of righteousness. It's got to always be paid by somebody. Jesus paid it for us. Colossians chapter one. Verse 20 says, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Jesus made peace for us by the blood of the cross. All right. And if you're going to make peace in your family, if you're going to make peace in your in, in your marriage. I mean, this just helps me to think about it. This, this is a good handle for me that if I want peace in my relationships, there's got to be righteousness. Somebody's got to pay the price. Somebody's got to pay the price of righteousness. Somebody's got to pay the price of turning the other cheek or humbly accepting correction or righteously submitting to authority or sacrificially loving and serving others or or, or paying the cost of forgiveness or patience or forbearance. Somebody's got to pay the cost of righteousness. Now, now let me give you some practical handles that I think we're going to need real quick. And I know we're we're running out of time, but um, you, you can't go to Chili's. And so what else do you have to do? Romans chapter 12. Okay, let me give you some practical truths that that are going to help you to be a peacemaker, okay? Ready? Number one. Number one. Pursuing peace and achieving peace are not always the same thing, okay? Now, uh, please understand that. There are times where where you are in a broken relationship and you're going to try to live righteously. 
and you're going to pray for your enemy or pray for whoever it is you're at odds and you're going to, you're going to live righteously toward them, but there's not going to be peace. You know why? Because there are times where it takes both people. The other person's got to stop sinning. And if they don't stop sinning, there's still a broken relationship. Romans chapter 12, verse 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Now, now notice that verse. Leave that up there, Teresa. If possible, what, is that, what does that imply? There's times where it's not possible, right? So far as it depends on you, what does that imply? Sometimes it depends on somebody else as well, right? Sometimes you live righteously, you pray for them, your heart, you, you come to God and you get a righteous heart toward them. But if, 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 they, if they don't come the other direction, if they don't stop sinning, then sometimes there's still a broken relationship. And, and the reason I want to tell you that is because I, I don't want some of you to be discouraged. You know, I don't want you to leave here saying, man, I want to be a peacemaker, but, you know, me and whoever, we're, we're at odds. And, and I want you to feel like a failure because I think sometimes you've really done everything you can do, you know. Now, at the same time, I don't want to give you an excuse either, okay, because some of you are going to pull the whole trick of, you know, yeah, I'm at odds with them. And I tried, I tried, Pastor, to, you know, I tried to make, you know, men things up, but they just won't do it. Now, really? Well, how did you try? Well... We walked into Walmart one time, and we, we were at opposite ends of the aisle, and we, we came around the corner at the same time. We saw each other. I smiled a little bit, and they didn't, you know. I tried, you know. Wow, hey, I hope you didn't hurt your back over that, you know. Woo, you're, you're a real effort giver, aren't you, you know. I mean, really, some people will do that. Well, how did you try? Well, you didn't try very hard, okay. I mean, what... Jesus died on the cross for you. What do you do? Well, you cracked a little smile. And some of you, your mouth turns down so far anyway from scowling all the time that, you know, when you did smile, it was just even. They didn't know you were smiling, you know. You haven't tried very hard. So don't, don't use it as an excuse, I guess, what I'm saying, all right? I, I, think, I think if you're genuinely pursuing peace and, and, and living righteously, then, then sometimes you do everything you can, and there's still not peace. Here's an interesting verse, by the way. Matthew 10, 34. This is Jesus, by the way. Here's what he says. Do not think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. All right. What did, how does that mesh with everything we've just said? Well, it actually meshes perfectly because in the context of what Jesus is saying there, what he's saying is, look, there's going to be times where because, because you're, you love me and because you're one of mine, some people aren't going to like you. That's true, isn't it? We have missionaries. Uh, Dr. Kirkendall's brother, Kylan, lives in North Africa. He's surrounded by Muslims who are very hostile to Christianity. You know what? He can be a great neighbor. He can, he can love his neighbors. He can pursue peace. He does. But there are some of those Muslims who simply will not have peace with him. Why? It's not because of anything he's done. It's not because he's broken the relationship. You know why? Because he loves Jesus. You know, and, and listen... Listen, you need to pursue peace with everybody, but always, 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 always put Jesus Christ and your obedience to Him first. Okay? So number one, pursuing peace and achieving peace sometimes are different things. Number two, practical truth here. Be careful with the words that you say. Be careful with the words that you say. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18 says, There, is, there are those, there is one, I'm sorry, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. You know what? One, one, of, the, one of the most practical things you can do to promote peace in your life is be so careful with what comes out of your mouth. 
Last week we talked about that what comes out of your mouth comes to your heart, from your heart. So the real issue is dealing with your heart. But you know what? And you all know this is true. There are times where we know our heart is not where it needs to be. And, 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 and we're trying. And we're trying to you know, come to Christ and have him change our heart. And, and, and grab onto the word of God and pray. But you know what? In, in between the time your heart is bad and the time that you get your heart right. Okay, in between that time, please hear the word of God. Shut your mouth, okay? I mean, really, that's the only way I know to say that. Don't talk. Don't say anything, okay? Because if your heart is bad, what comes out of there is not going to be good. And you know what? You can harm relationships. Remember Psalm 141, verse 3? We looked at it last week. It says, put a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. What is he saying? He's saying, God, help me to keep it shut. You know, when, when, when it's bad inside of here, help me not to say what I shouldn't say that's going to destroy relationships. And especially, especially when we're talking about what you say to other people who are at odds. See, you're going to have this situation happen a lot. Someone's going to come to you and they've been hurt by somebody and they're at odds. They're in conflict with somebody. And you know what they want you to do? They want you to pick. Whose side? I mean, it's back to third grade dodgeball. Whose side are you going to be on? You know? Let me tell you, every time you pick Jesus, every time you be on Jesus' side, okay? And here's what Jesus wants you to do. He wants you to put righteousness in that situation. I'm not saying you don't comfort your friend. There's times where your friend, just, they need to be comforted. They need to be encouraged. But do not, do not ever, ever, ever say things like, man, I wouldn't take that. Boy, I tell you what, you, you need to do something about that. Boy, I tell you, you know, I wouldn't let him treat me that way. Boy, if that was me. Shut your mouth. Please, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't be a cause of causing conflict in somebody else's marriage. Don't be a cause of breaking a relationship between somebody else and their kids or between two friends. And make sure that the words that you speak are words of righteousness. Okay. Number three, practical truth that keeps people from peace is be, be careful with the words you don't say. Okay, number one, be careful with the words you say. Number two, be careful with the words you don't say. Okay, what brings peace, my friends? The gospel brings peace. You are surrounded by people who are at odds with God. And the only thing that's going to bring them peace is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And listen, you are not a peacemaker if you don't tell people about the Prince of Peace. Listen, if you never talk about Jesus, if you never talk about the gospel, if you never talk about the cross, if you never talk about how somebody can have peace with God, you know what, you know what you're doing? You're surrounded by people who are at odds with God and going to bear the wrath of God in their life. And you, you don't want to tell them. Why would you not want to tell them? Well, pastor, you know, I, I keep business and my private life separate. You, you know what that really means? That means that you got a sale going on here, and if they buy your product, you may have another $500 in your paycheck. So here's the bottom line. You'd rather have $500 and see that person come to peace with God and not spend an eternity in hell. Is it really worth that? You say, well, pastor, my product's $5,000. Is it really worth it? Open your mouth. Time to shut your mouth. There's times to open your mouth. There's times when we need to say, open my mouth. Speak. Tell this person about how they can have peace with God so they can have peace with others. 
quickly. Be honest about your sins. Be honest about your sins. That's another practical truth. You know what? You know what I've found? Everybody blows it. And, And you know what? If you'll be honest about that, I think most of the time those relationships can be repaired. You know, you know when things go bad is when we, we, we act like we didn't sin. You know, we pull the whole, well, I didn't really mean that. I mean, it's something else, you know. Or, or we justify our sin. Well, you know, you, I did that because you did that. That doesn't promote peace. Be honest about your sin. Finally. And pursue it relentlessly. Pursue reconciliation relentlessly. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. If you're offering your gift at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. The picture there is of an awkward situation. Okay, It's of a worship service where they've come a long way, and they've got their offering, probably a lamb or a goat. This is the Old Testament. And they place it on the altar, and, and they're in the midst of this whole deal. And they say, whoa, 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 stop, 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 stop. stop. Hey, everybody stop. Sorry. I need my I need my offering back. <laughs> take that, unbind him. Take, come on, lamb. You know, walk out, go home, out of the temple, and get things right. That's an awkward situation. You know what Jesus is saying? He's saying you need to you need to go to great lengths to pursue peace with other people. Sometimes that's awkward. Sometimes you got to go again and again and again and again. But it's important. It's important. Think, think about the gospel. Think, think more of the gospel than you do yourself. And pursue peace with your brothers. All right. Blessed are the peacemakers. Why? Because they shall be called sons of God. Sons of God. Can, can you imagine? Just, just think of the way, if you've got kids, think of the way that you feel about your kids. Think of the way that your, your mom and dad feel about you. Man, that, that we could be called sons of God. Not that peacemaking makes us sons of God, but that when we're peacemakers... That's my son. That's my son. I was, I was thinking last night, this is, there's kind of chaos at my house. I was at the table. I was trying to finish my sermon. My wife's been sick, so I was, I was staying home there. And, and man, the, the big girls are in doing dishes, and they're laughing and carry on. And, and Haddon and Avery, I think, are doing bull rides in the, in the living room. And, and Haven is doing this funny thing when she's running around our little uh, circle there, coming through our dining room. So I'd see her about every minute. You know, here she'd come. She'd smile. I don't know what she was doing. But I just thought, man. I just I had the light in them, you know. Same time I got a I got a birthday card from my mom yesterday, and it's from my mom. You know, I'm 39, and my mom writes me this card, and she just writes all these things she likes about me, you know, and how proud she is of me. You know, and I thought, isn't that cool? That God calls us sons. That He delights in us when we make peace. When we have peace with Him, we make peace with others. God says, "Those, those are my boys." Those are my girls. Those are my kids. Man, as you unpack that in the Bible, to be a son of God, Romans 8 says it means that because we're his children, we're heirs. And we inherit everything of the Father. God's got a lot, by the way. Did you know that? He's rich. He's got a lot. And when you're his children, you inherit everything of his. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Father, thank you for... uh, making peace through the blood of Jesus Christ for us, that we, might, that we might be at peace with you and that, God, we might be at peace with others. And, God, help us to learn to be peacemakers, to be people that, that promote peace among, among our families and among our marriages and among our church and among our community. God, we need more peacemakers. God, we need more. We need, 
We need a church full of people who are right with you and right with each other and right with their families. God, as much as it depends on us, Lord, help us to be at peace with all men. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.